you once again for tuning into the Psychedelic Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Marie, here with Rob, as usual. For anybody that has not listened to our show yet, Rob is my husband. He's sitting to the left of me. And today, we have an extremely special guest. She is the co-founder of Indie Pods United, which a lot of you have probably heard about in some of our recent episodes. Welcome to the show, Maria. Hey, nice to be here. I'm so glad that you all invited me to be on the show. Yeah, definitely. And you have your own podcast for a lot of people that are entrepreneurs getting into understanding how to market their products or their podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about what Successfully Chaotic is about? Life can be chaotic, but we're all deciding what our own brand of success looks like too. And so we're all just trying to be successful in the midst of it. And we kind of blended that in with just the idea that we had background in marketing and I am a serial entrepreneur and I have seven kids and obviously my life is super chaotic. And, you know, I started my business and had to go through the ups and downs like a lot of other small business owners. And I wanted to help other people who are kind of on that journey, be able to know that sometimes chaos is part of it because you hear all of the good things that go on like, Oh, I did this and I did this and I did this. And it was also great and so wonderful. But whenever I was first starting out in my journey, I thought I was doing something wrong because I wasn't having that instant success that I felt like everybody else was having. The ups and the downs are part of the normal journey. And it was really an honor to have you with Indie Pods. So we love to start off a lot of our shows with quizzes, especially when we have guests. And it's good to have a variety of guests. Other guests besides Cammie. <laughs> I, I love Cammy. I love Cammy too. But, it's always you know, fun. She's the co-founder too. Cameron. Cameron. Cam Cam. <laughs> so we're going to do this really random quiz that I found that'll be in the description. And it's what is your parenting style? But it's oh, three Lord. of us taking this quiz together. So we're all going to answer these nine questions. And I'm just going to click the majority vote. I'll, I'll just make the final decision here. Okay, the first question is, your son hits another player at practice. You would defend your child, ignore them, tell him it's wrong to hit people and make him apologize, or try and understand what went wrong. Maria, what would you do? Mm, this is so hard. I hate taking quizzes because I feel like I'm always like, C and D, C and D. I'm both C and D. Okay, so yeah, tell them that it's wrong to hit them and, and try was, to understand. That makes sense. I was going to say D2 at first, try and understand. But then I was like, wait, it's wrong for anybody to hit anybody no matter yeah. what. So then I was like, yeah, C trumps that one. I'm like three of these because first of all, I am going to defend my child, but it really is contingent on the circumstances. I mean, how long has this been going on, etc. So we'll do the right thing here. We're going to click that it's wrong to hit people. Yeah. Might take a one learning experience to realize it's the right way to parent. Do you want to read the next one? Yeah. Number two, your son and his friends have made a big mess in the playroom and now they want to go out and play. <laughs> what do you do? This is, this is a tough one. <laughs> a, tell them they are not allowed to play outside unless they clean up. B, let them play and clean the mess up yourself. Oh, heck no. <laughs> C, help them clean up while making a game out of it. Or D, Tell them the importance of cleaning up before they play. I'm already a hard C. I'm going to play oh, the game. Lord. Like, I'm going to be like Barney. <laughs> this is really hard for me because typically I would have with my older kids. Full disclosure here, I've got a almost 22-year-old. So I've been through the whole early parenting stage. 
And I would have done the Barney game with my older kids, but <laughs> I don't know that I would now. Now I feel like I would. Later. Yeah. The so Barney game. I, I would have. Well, it's like the, yeah, you sing the cleanup song. We actually did. Yeah. Okay. Yep, we did. So we sang the cleanup song with the older kids. Now with the younger kids, I do talk to them about the importance of cleaning up, but I'll be 100% honest. Sometimes I just give zero and I'm like, just go outside. Just go play. It's okay. We'll clean up later just because I want them to go outside. Well, honestly, in the end, that's what they're going to do. They're going to do what they want regardless. Like, unless you're smacking your kids around, like, they're probably either A, going to listen to you or B, not. Like, there's really no in between. I feel like this is different than number one. I feel like there's no wrong answer here. Yeah. Besides cleaning up yourself, we don't want to really be a pushover. But if you want to speed up the process, I can understand doing that. I'm going to go ahead and click on the game one. I would say t- teach them the importance, but that might be tough depending on their age. You can age. do that while you play. Though. Aurora's too, though. Yeah. <laughs> she cleans up on her own. Do you want to read this question? Your 14-year-old daughter wants to rent an R-rated movie, and her friends all have watched it. You would. Uh, again, see, I'm, I'm going to answer it like I did with my older kids. <laughs> because okay, Yeah, do it like, the, like it's your first couple of kids. Yeah. Because you get beat down. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you get beat down. Oh, it's like, yeah. I got, I got stories for days. Um, I can't read. I can't even read that. Okay. okay. Ask her what movie it was. Like, come on, girl. Let's watch Scary Movie 3. I was banned from that movie as a kid. Yeah. Get, get angry and tell her she can't rent any movies, which who rents movies these days? I don't know. I feel like this is outdated. It's pretty outdated, but it's still fun. Even Redbox is whack now. Yeah. (laughs) Say no and help her find a more age-appropriate movie. And who is to determine that? Or watch it with her. I watch it with her. Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on why it's rated R. That's what I look at now. I'm like, why is it rated R? If it's, like, way too violent or, like, super sexual, then... yeah. Nah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Watch it with her so you can explain to her why this is wrong, right. why you shouldn't act this way in real life. Yeah, I would say yeah. it makes the most sense. You don't want to be like, no. Because 14, I mean, they're, they're getting... They're, they're getting already it. watching. They know. Yeah, they're going to do it either way. They know everything at that age. I was still in denial with my older kids when they got that age. I still thought they were so innocent. I know now. <laughs> they not. Now they tell <laughs> me. They're like... At 14... Actually, at 14, I was. Now, 15, I started to go downhill. Same <laughs> here. At 14, I actually was. And then That's I started getting enough. tainted. That is really funny. It, me too. There was a big tainting. For you, it was, <laughs> a, it was a taint fest. It was a taint Between fest. 14 and 15, yeah, yeah, there was a big taint fest for yeah. me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Number four, your daughter, again, wants something to eat right before bedtime. Speaking of which, if we want to go back into the episodes that sleep deprivation episode we did with Cammy, we talked about never eat ramen noodles before bed because mm-hmm. they give you nightmares. Maria, did you know that? No, but I don't eat ramen noodles. Have you ever seen the YouTube video on about ramen noodles? No, that will, that will give you. I'm going to send it to you. It's going to happen. They expand and they push on your organs. Right? Yeah, they expand and they push on your lungs. Food like that will expand inside your stomach. Yeah. And then your stomach will push up onto your lungs, making it hard for you to breathe at night and causing you nightmares because of the lack of oxygen to your brain. Okay. Right, Are you going to let her eat whatever she wants? Let her have a healthy snack. Tell her she should have eaten more at dinner and make her go to bed or make a snack with her. Mine would be a mixture between B and D. I would say make a healthy snack with her. That's what I was going to say because I mean, yeah, same thing. Yeah, I mean, like (laughs) this question is kind of vague because 
do you have rules in the house where you're not supposed to eat before bedtime? Because, I mean, people get hungry. I mean, unless you're being gluttonous about it, you know, let them have yeah. some pretzel sticks before bed. When your kids don't do their chores, you do them yourself. Take away their phones and TV till they're done. Remind them that they need to be responsible and to do their chores. Stop everything and make them do them right away. I'm very curious at Maria's answers for both her older kids and her younger children. I was more the helicopter mom and the, like, you're going to do what I say right now with the older kids until I figured out that that doesn't all the time work out well. Now I'm kind of in between. You know, I would have them do it and explain the importance of doing it. Um, and then if they didn't, I would probably ground them from something. That's typically what I do now. That's fair. What about you? When Aurora, who's two, gets older and she doesn't do her chores, which I don't think that's going to be a problem, I hope. Fingers crossed. Uh, instead of the helicopter mom, I'm going to try to be the airplane dad <laughs> and try to try to breeze through it and just yeah. remind them that they need to be responsible. And if they're really egregiously Is that going... Is ag- Egregiously? I don't know. I could take it out. Gregoriously. No, that's not. That's we never word. take those parts. Out. Those are the good parts when we mess up words like that. Yeah, like use the wrong adjectives. Aggressively. But if if they're really fighting it, then I would definitely take away their phone and TV at some point. I'll just unplug the Wi-Fi. You can yeah. have your phone. They, yeah. Take all the selfies you it's want, buddy. Just, they're not going yeah. anywhere. Just never explain to them how Wi-Fi works. They'll figure that out, too. <laughs> Keep the Wi-Fi in a lockbox. My three-year-old can tell you a whole lot of stuff about electronics. I'm like, why do you know this? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Do you want to read that one? What do you do when your kid throws a tantrum? Can't read the answers. Give in to stop the whining. Send them to their rooms. Don't give in until they've understood that there are other ways of expressing their anger. That was to the point. Someone was angry making this quiz. Remove them from the situation. Maria, what would you do? Um, either C or D. It kind of depends on the situation. Yeah, I think a lot of these questions depend on the situation and the age of the kid. Yeah. yeah. I just want to get it clear that Maria can read. We're just doing a share screen and the answers <laughs> yeah. are very context. <laughs> I can't read. I'm a, I'm a business consultant. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to read this. That that reminds me of a funny story I'll have to tell you later because it was about <laughs> adult literacy and my husband. So. No, you can go. Oh, you can tell it now. Okay. No, no, they thought he couldn't. So um, when the 15-year-old was about four, she was in preschool, and she would say, hey, mommy, daddy, can you read this? And he made this joke all the time. He'd say, I can't read. So that way I have to read it. Well, she went to school and told her preschool teacher that daddy can read. And so I ended up getting a call one day from the teacher because they had signed him up for an adult literacy program. <laughs> oh my god so i was so why you don't do things like that i'm all for sarcasm all for joking but you That's know you get hilarious. the lot. that is they cared no and they should have cleared that up and like they should have asked first <laughs> they like they should have just trusted how them, would you know? they know like how could they no no i'm saying know? the teacher should have asked Maria, can your husband read whatever? Maria, I, I think that would be so much more embarrassing to go to the wife and be like, hey, um, just just want to know, like, does your husband, can he, you know, when you open a book and there's words, like, do, how how is he with those? Yeah, but it's even worse to just throw him in the illiteracy class. <laughs> and what if he's ashamed of it? And Funny. it's just like, okay, oh. my kid's school is making me take this class so that I can learn how to read. Like, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I would say C. Yeah, so you're saying don't give in until they're, they've understood. And, and Maria, what, what did you say? 
I said a combo of C and D. Okay, so remove them from the situation or the same as Rob. Don't give in until they've Yeah. Pick them up and throw them into another room. Man, see, (laughs) this is another one of those things where in the future, I feel like I could do any of these things depending on how my day is going, too. Like, nobody's perfect. No. Feasible. So we're going to go with the one that they want us to click, which is the very long, the long answer. You could tell, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it also depends on, you know, like you said, the age of the child, but also the child themselves, because I've got an autistic child and you yeah. can do him differently. There's a lot to be said about that. Like we have very strong feelings on that. So Rob, do you want to read this next question? Sure. Your son wants a new toy at the mall. What do you do? Buy it before he starts throwing a tantrum uh-uh. in public. Mm-mm. Tell him he can't have new toys unless he works for it. <laughs> what if he's three? Work for this toy. <laughs> Just say no. It's that simple. Buy it for him, but that's it for the rest of the month. I'm going to say, just say no. It's that simple. Like, that's it, buddy. Hmm. Second time I've said buddy on this show. Buddy. Unless buddy. he works for Third. it. See, that's like. Yeah, that's very vague. Work for this toy. They that's kind of like weird. Like chores. Like, I don't know. I make my kids work for stuff. I have yeah. no shame in that. <laughs> well, my dad used Tina, to pay you me. You just say no. That seems so unlike you. <laughs> no, I do say it to Aurora even now. You know that. I'll just well, what be is like, the context? No. Yeah, there it, is. They just want to buy a new. They just want the toy. It's not like I want every toy in this mall. Well, I was like thirteen or fourteen, and my dad used to pay me ten bucks a pine cone to pick them up out of the. Long. 10 bucks a pine cone i hated them so much <laughs> that yeah they're like 60 pine that's cones. a lot of that's a lot of money for a pine cone well, there's a lot of money involved with getting a's too so that's trust why, me that's i was why, a straight a student that's why tina is who she is today <laughs> yeah uh okay uh, so yeah. Which, uh, which, which one did you guys want to pick i would say work for it i wouldn't just say no it just depends yeah, we make the kids do little chores. If they know that they want something, we'll give them things to do to earn the money for it. So. That makes sense. Now that I'm actually thinking about it, then again, I don't have a lot of parenting experience. Like yeah. I taught English in Korea, so I had experience with those children, but I was 14 years old myself. Other yeah. people's children are better too. <laughs> yeah, they were. I loved their kids. They could do whatever yeah. they wanted as long as they did their homework. So. I know, babe. I know you wouldn't just say no no matter what. Well, yeah, not all the time, but yeah. This person that made this quiz has a daughter because there's so many daughter questions. There's, there's, been, a, there's been a son. There's been a son. Yeah, there was like one son. It was like baseball. That was very stereotypical, too. Only know, boys can right? play baseball, but the girls are the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, if your daughter has a nightmare, what do you yeah. do? If your son wants a ball, what's, <laughs> okay. what's she going to do? Comfort her and help her go back to sleep when she's calmed down. Send her back to bed after you are sure she's okay. Walk with her back to her room and stay with her. All three sound similar to me. Let her sleep with you. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd I'd let her sleep with me if she hadn't already been because we didn't co-sleep. That's just us personally. Yeah, you know we don't want to start that. Yeah, because that would then become like a everyday thing. Yeah, I would probably go with A or B here. Comfort her and help her go back to sleep. Or send her back to bed after I'm sure she's okay. What about you, Maria? I would probably comfort her. And that way she knows somebody's there until she falls back asleep. Yeah, yeah I mean, I agree. Comfort her when she's ready. You send her back there, you know, on her lonesome and hope that she doesn't have a repeat. <laughs> Stick a baby cam in there, like at <laughs> age 10. All right. Last question. You want to read it? Sure. 
the main goal of parenting and discipline is to make sure your kids enjoy life. Making sure your kids obey all of the rules no matter what. <laughs> make sure children understand why rules are important. Make sure your kids know the value of things given to them. Um, I would go with C, even though I do think they should understand the value of things given. But yeah, definitely C as far as discipline goes. Let's see collectively what our parenting style is. Best friend parent. Oh, uh, cool. Oh, good. I'm going to take a picture of this and send it to my 15-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> what is the explanation for it? No, we're going to get it. I don't know. But I just want to tell her that I just took a quiz and I'm a best friend parent. It means that you're in touch with your child's feelings and you allow them to do as they please within reason. And honestly, that's kind of the parenting style that I am too now, especially with the older couple. I did it differently. But you don't really know. You know, my oldest daughter will be on the phone with me. She has a one-year-old. She will say, you would have never let me do that. I'm like, you were the guinea pig child. <laughs> you know I, mean? I didn't know what I was doing. You learn how to parent as you go along. You do refine things and decide to do things differently. And I think that's why there's all the jokes about grandparents and how they treat their grandkids differently. It's because you learn as you get older what, what matters and what doesn't. I think that's what it you know, boils down to. Yeah, that makes sense because I see a lot of differences in how Aurora is treated by my parents versus yeah. how my sister and yeah. I were. But even differences between how I was raised and how my younger sister, they treated us very, very differently. And we turned out very different, but essentially we're best friends and mm -hmm. we're way too similar anyway. So that's where we get into what we're talking about today. So pretty much since the dawn of time, developmental psychologists have been researching how parents affect their child's development, but finding the scientific cause and effect links with the actions of parents and the behavior that shows up in kids later is probably a really difficult task. I can see why everything has that whole nature and nurture aspect to it because you add outside factors to that. And it seems to me like you can only do so much as a parent because your kid is going to end up however they end up when it boils down to it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that you can make things better or worse by what type of upbringing you have. But I definitely don't think anybody causes anybody to do anything because there's a lot of people that have been through all kinds of horrible things and it doesn't make them a horrible person. And it's not always the parent's fault. The kid is screaming for whatever reason. And if a child with autism is screaming in public and other parents are looking like, I'm sure that if that's happened to you, Maria, that did not feel good because they're probably like, what kind of parent is this? And they're so judgmental. Other adults are so judgmental. It's almost beneath high school days, the way that adults can be so judgmental over anything, especially parenting that yeah. where everybody has to be a know-it-all. I would never do that. Seems like. Yeah. I have had people actually say things to me. A lot of people will be like, oh, your child's so lucky that they got such an understanding, you know, mother talking about my autistic child. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that makes me feel good. But in a million other ways, actually, I feel lucky that I got him because he's allowed me to see the world like I don't think I would have ever seen it without being his advocate and having to look at things through his eyes just to be able to help him learn and grow and help people understand him. I always tell people that you know, autism is almost like a language barrier. That's the best way to describe it to people that don't really understand autism is that yeah. it's a language barrier. They have these feelings that they can't convey outwardly to the world the way that they 
wish they probably could. And we can't even make guesses on that because we're not inside their mind. But we know that people that have what they call this disability, and I always put quotes around that because I don't see it as one, yeah. but they're loving and they can be happy. They just don't show it the same way. And when they're upset, it's different than when, an, what do they call it, neurotypical yeah. person is upset. For me, it's like almost as if they're more passionate when they're upset. Yeah, well, and a lot of times they're frustrated and they're confused and they just don't know how to verbalize it. So they get upset because they can't quite verbalize it to where people around them understand what they're yeah. trying to convey. But that could be anybody, too. I mean, everybody's brains function differently. Yes. We like, talked about this, too. Like you said, it's just a different way of communicating. But everybody that appears to be normal, in quotations, their brains function differently. They communicate differently. So what is the difference? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't see a difference there. If people are so concerned, then they need to do a little bit more research on autism and probably on themselves. Because if they're questioning a child that could have a developmental disorder or what have you, or even the parent of that child, there's something wrong with that person too. Yeah. They need to go get a CAT scan. <laughs> the one time I can think about in particular, I mean, it crushed me when somebody said something as I was having a horrible day anyway, but my son was four and a half at the time. And I mean, he was throwing a tantrum. He was overstimulated. And for people that don't know what overstimulated means, it is where their brain literally can't take anything else. And yep. so especially in a four and a half year old with autism, you know, typically they are socially behind. So he was more like a two year old. So he was so overstimulated just with the sights, the smells, the lights, the everything that he just started screaming. And there's no calming him down whenever he would do that. And I remember this older gentleman looked at me and said, that's exactly what's wrong with the world right now. It's because people don't bust their kids. I don't know if I can say ass, but ass the way they used to. I just kind of lost it. I broke down and just was bawling because I had had such a long day with him. I was you know, stressed out and I had a newborn baby too because we had had a surprise baby. I had a newborn baby who I was nursing like every two seconds. So I'm there with the newborn in the baby seat and Cade screaming and crying. I'm in the line at Kroger, which is a grocery store. Yeah, we you know, know Kroger. Well, a lot of people listening may not know. They might be like, where's what's I, going on? So that's a grocery I didn't store. know until like two years ago. So that's, yeah. that's, that's uh, horrible. What kind of person? That, that's the kind of guy that like, he probably doesn't have kids. So he can't understand. Like with the well, with crying babies on a plane. Like, why yeah. are they crying? Wow. Like, I'm crying now. <laughs> like, I'm like, I blew up on somebody once because this poor dad was traveling alone. And this woman behind me, the baby started crying. The mom wasn't there. It's fine. Sometimes, like, who knows his story? He could have been a single dad. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was just traveling alone. The woman behind me starts freaking out. She even kicked my chair. And she was like, can you tell that baby to shut up? Like, no, you, you can say it all you want. I turned around and I was like, you need to, you need to shut up. I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I'm also a mom. And he's sitting over there with his newborn baby. And this has nothing to do with you. Put your earplugs in or whatever you want to do. And babies People, cry too. Yeah. It takes one thought. Babies cry. We're adults. Let's not cry with Their them. Their ears hurt. They're on a plane. Like, all my ears hurt. It's traumatizing the first time that happened. <laughs> yeah. Think about it again. They don't know how to communicate that. They don't even know why that's happening. They don't know what's happening. They can't communicate that, so they cry. And with autism or with any developmental issue, especially neurological, you can say it all you want to. Yeah. But they don't understand. And right. it takes a while. And some people can learn. Like with Cade, we've been able to learn 
when he does this, it means that. And he's been able to learn when we say this, we need him to do that. So, you know, he's able to understand our language and we can understand his a lot better. It's definitely a journey. It's not an overnight thing. He's 11 now. So, I mean, we've been through this for years at this point. Hard on it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's allowed me to look at the world differently. I don't automatically jump to judgment. You know, I can't say that I would have never been that person to see some four and a half year old screaming in a line and think, oh, wow, that kid's a brat before I had to deal with it myself. I want to get really deep into what it's like to have raised your amazing son on another episode. I wanted to share this with you guys because I thought some of these were so hilarious. It's on boardpanda.com, but it's 30 parents who went too far and got shamed for it. We're just going to scroll through the funniest ones. Here is the first one. Hi, this is Jaden's mom. Jaden told me that you played with your Yu-Gi-Oh cards when he visited your younger brother. I don't appreciate that kind of behavior from a grown man. I don't want you to play with those damn cards ever again. When my son is at your house, the devil lives inside those cards. You be Jaden's mom. Hello, Jaden's mom. I'm afraid it's too late. The demons are already at your house and they know your son has been playing with my Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> that was horrible. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> That's a common thought, by the way, I found out that I did not what? know up until a couple of months ago. And I mean, it's Pokemon cards, but apparently people think they're demon cards and that they're based down like demonology. I found that out because I let my kids play with it and I had somebody say it to me. I was like, Wow. Mom of the year over here. So by now I've spent all of my daughter's college fund money on my Monet business, Lincoln Bio. I felt guilty and it's been a rough start, but I know one day I'll climb to the top and my daughter will thank me later once Monet makes me a millionaire. Stay positive. You're a f***ing idiot. Yeah, I agree, mom of the year. What is wrong with people? I mean, there are, are four types of parenting styles and we've covered them a lot when we did the quiz. Do you want to tell us what the four types are? Yeah. So according to what is this? According to all of psychology, (laughs) according to the consensus of psychologists, the first style of parenting is authoritarian parenting. Then we have authoritative parenting, permissive parenting and uninvolved parenting. What do you guys think of when you hear the term uninvolved parenting? It sounds horrible. Acting like the kid is not there. Um, yeah, that you're not involved in their lives at all. Apparently, these are the types of parents that do fulfill the basic needs of their child, but they are very detached from their child's life. The kids are fed and everything. They have shelter, but they don't have guidance or structure or support. They might even reject and neglect the needs of their children altogether. What do you think permissive parenting means? Permissive, it sounds like easy to give permission. They probably rarely discipline their children, have probably low expectations for their development, I would say. They're more, they're more lenient. Yeah, that they're a pushover. Sum my words up. That's very true. Non-traditional with quotes. I did air quotes, everyone that's listening. They're usually non-traditional and lenient. They don't require mature behavior. They allow considerable self-regulation and Avoid confrontation at all costs. That's permissive. I've seen a lot of that, too, with a lot of my friends' parents. When I was in high school, I was drawn to the kids that had that kind of parent. Yeah, the ones that you always looked up to because they're always 
the ones that were hosting the parties. Exactly. And you admired that. And oh, now you're like, what the crap? Why do yeah. they get to have like yeah. 50 people at the house and they have two pools yeah. and a mansion? Why can't I trash our house twice a week? It's not fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have to pick up pine cones, but they get to have parties. But you got to pay $10 a pine cone. So very we're going to go ahead and throw that out there too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neither one was very effective. That's not fine. I, I will come there and pick up pine cones for $10 a pine cone. I'm just saying that. I'm throwing that out there. <laughs> I probably made only like 50 bucks doing that because I was such an angsty teen. Okay, authoritarian and authoritative can easily be misconstrued. But what do you two think authoritative parenting is? Because that sounds like the Hitler of parenting to me. Oh, authoritative sounds like you're establishing boundaries and rules. And authoritarian sounds like you're lording over them. Yeah, actually, you're right authoritative you establish your rules your guidelines your boundaries whatever and they're expected to be followed but it's much more democratic and the parents are still responsive they're willing to listen give them warmth and feedback and support be nurturing rather than punishing i haven't met many people that can say they have that that's like perfect that's like the perfect parent some weird stuff behind that when you have a parent that does that like lucky you if you have that i'm a blend of several things I can be permissive sometimes, you know, at a certain point, I allow them to at an age to have more and more and more freedom, because if not, they get to be 18. And then it's like, they end up flunking out of college. So you have no to give skills. them, yeah, you have to be across the board. You yeah. have to be a mixture of all this type of parent. I think it depends on the situations to situations, the kids, the day, honestly, for me, some days I'm like done. I'm like, just go outside. I don't even care about the house right now. Just go outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, f off, get out of my face. No, maybe to get out of my face, but not the. <laughs> but not, yeah, but in a place. But they should understand you then because, like, you're also their parent. Because yeah. you got the best friend parent stereotype, you know that they should know who you are for the most part. Don't mess with me today. Mom is not in a good mood. Like, they catch on to that. You have to be friends with them to a certain extent or they'll yeah. probably never respect you. I agree with that. And I also think that for me, and I'd say this is true for a lot of people, there are certain things in our household that we feel is more important than others. So certain things we may be really firm on and then other things we may be a little bit more permissive on. And I think that may change family to family depending on what your own priorities and values are in your household. Exactly. Absolutely. And lastly, we have authoritarian parenting. And I've got a strong viewpoint on how I feel about these four types of parenting after that we can all discuss. But according to authoritarian parenting, they're expected to follow extremely strict rules established by the parents. And if they don't follow the rules, it results in punishment. See, this is why authoritarian and authoritative is confusing. Authoritative person. They say it's democratic, but how can you really know that from studying these types of parents? How do you know authoritative isn't actually authoritarian? And if that kid doesn't behave during this particular study, they're going to get punished. I don't know a parent that acts like an authoritative parent, like the president of parents. Personally, I have oh, yeah, not I'm seen that. President. I'm saying that authoritative and authoritarian. They're completely different are announced as two completely different things. And I'll get to they're, why. They're, they're concepts, though. It's not exactly. saying 
how are we going to distinguish which way to categorize somebody? We know these parenting types exist. Well, these but this parents... one is like they're saying because I said so, but they don't give a reason why. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Like Hitler, like you said. Right. But with authoritative, when we go back to that, they're assertive, but not intrusive and restrictive. So I guess that's the difference. The reason that I have a slight issue with these four parenting archetypes is that this is long outdated and it still stands today in psychology. These studies were done in the 1960s by psychologist Diana Baumrind. Baumrind? Baumrind? One of those is right. I like, I like Baumrind best. Baumrind. It just seems outdated. Because like you said, Maria, you're a, a conglomeration or an amalgamation of all of these four types of parenting. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be like permissive hyphen authoritative. You're going to have different blends, but these are the four ways say. to describe how you parent. I think they're pretty on point. I think that no parent is one of these things and not something else. You don't have to be. Yeah, I don't think that because what she did was she used naturalistic observations. So basically she was there watching and observing. Yeah, it it does sort of parental look like interviews. They are saying these are the four, yes. either one, two, three, or four. There's no such thing. And that's why we have our podcast because we have our philosophies on things that don't make sense to us. And this to me does not make sense. I don't yeah. think there should be four parenting styles. That's, ev that's everything that's in psychology. Lo that's locking you into, you've got to be this or you've got to be that or I'm this. Oh my gosh, I'm not that. Like, what's wrong with me? That is making you think that you have to be one of these or you're doing something wrong almost. They only watched them one time? Because that's another thing that always bothers me about any studies. It's like, oh, okay, well, it depends on the day. Depends on what all do I have going on that day? What all do the kids have going on that day? What's my mood like? What's their mood like? You know what I mean? What's the emotions in the house going on? Because when you have, you know, more than one person in a household, we're not always our best selves. We're all human. We all make mistakes, even into adulthood. Even when you're a parent, you're expected to make mistakes. You can't be perfect. Bomb rind. Lip bomb and pork rind. <laughs> she actually only had three. She based all of this on these dimensions, which were disciplinary strategies, nurturing, communication, and expectations of control or maturity. Okay, but let's look at the study, though. This study is based off of a little over 100 preschool-aged children. So a very strict demographic of age group there. Yes. There was later research, and it doesn't say what the year was. Other psychologists by the name of McCoby and Martin suggested adding a fourth parenting style, which I assume, because it's the fourth one listed, is yeah. uninvolved parenting. Well, I have a question for you, ladies. If you were to add a parenting style to this list of four parenting styles, what would you add to it? Freestyle parenting. Yeah, freestyle, because then you can, yeah. Live your life style parenting. So there should be one parenting style. I don't think there should be any. That's the whole yeah. my philosophy on this is that I don't agree with any of this. Because it doesn't make sense because I'm going to parent the way that I parent. But also with every single one of my children, all seven of them, they're different people. Mm -hmm. The way that I have to say things to them, the way that I explain things, the things they're going to try to do, what's going to work as far as discipline goes and what doesn't. It varies so much. I feel like somebody could just put a camera in my house and study my household because... 
I've got the full gamut going on here with all my yeah. kids. And if you know you're being, you're having a research study done on you, uh, you might be a little more permissive than your natural authoritarian or self. Or not. You might be or more authoritarian. Yeah, yeah, like, I, yeah. I could say right out the gate, you could throw out authoritarian and uninvolved as being a productive parenting style. Yeah. Or not a parent at all. I say that those are an adjective to describe a person and not a parent. Oh, mm-hmm. you're an authoritarian person overall. It doesn't have to apply to just being a parent. You're a permissive person. You don't have boundaries at all. This can be applied to just people in general. Yeah. Over time, your parenting style might be skewed. Like it's going to change. Like Maria, you have multiple children. I'm sure at one point you had a set dynamic in your household and then you had another child. That throws the whole chemistry and dynamic of the whole family to a different dimension. You're going to have to adjust accordingly the way that you interact with everybody. You're going to have to tweak, modify, and you're going to have to have different variations of all of these things. For me, it's become blending it all together. Knowing that not everything is worth an argument, not everything is worth a disciplinary parenting moment. It is just a discussion. It's just like, why would you do that? Why would you hit your brother? Sometimes it's a timeout. It just depends. You know, I don't have one method of parenting and I don't have one set of how we discipline. Keeping a very rigid, well, this is the rules of the house, just doesn't work for multiple children. It really doesn't. And a lot of parents tend to lose themselves in the whole mix of being a parent. That's Mm -hmm. not generally necessary either. That does not have to be your identity. You are still yourself. You're going to react the way you react. Just like with Cade, how his mind works differently, our minds work differently. Mm -hmm. So we should not have to put ourselves into a bubble, even as adults, even if you're not a parent, even just as an adult, okay? You don't have to just make that your whole entire identity. And that's what a lot of people are going to argue with. I mean, you've got to have a productive lifestyle too, if that's the type of person you are. You can't just drop everything you're doing, but you can still be a loving, good parent. You can still be a provider. You can still do all the things you need to do for your children out of love and for their best interest without giving up your entire identity. Yeah, it's a role. It's not an identity. My mom struggled with that a lot. When me and my older brother left the house, she didn't know who she was anymore. This unfolded over crazy convoluted way. It wasn't just black and white. We left and then she went crazy. Once we left, she had nothing to do. Her yeah. whole role was to provide for us. And a lot of it was, what's parenting style? The unresponsive one. It wasn't mm-hmm. even like she was emotionally attached to us that much. That's why it was kind of confusing. She may yeah. have had a hard time relating even. I mean, and that, that's another thing. When you start looking at some of this, there could be a lot of underlying things. Like maybe she was loving you the way she knew how. You know, it kind of even goes back to the love languages. Have you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? Babe, she just asked if... We've ever read the love language book. When we first got together, she like (gasps) gifted that book to me. That could be taken even into parenting because everybody has their own love language. And with your mom and stuff, maybe her love language is doing way different. She was serving you. So acts of service was her love. That's exactly what it was. And And it's the same as Rob. You have the same love language as your mom. It's a lot of acts of service. Yeah. I I think that can be a lot of reasons why parent-child relationships can be hard and also husband-wife relationships can be hard because even with my husband, you know, I have my own love languages and they're not the same as his. And so for the longest time, I was thinking, well, he just doesn't love me the way I love him. And it wasn't that. He was loving me the way he knew how to love me, right. his love language. 
but I wasn't seeing it as love because that wasn't my love language. And it could be the same for kids. Not that I don't hug people. I do. But that's not my love language. I think my mom was that way because she was really close to her dad. Her dad was affectionate and was like, you know, this really cool Italian guy. And he was like really machismo. I'll just say macho. I like machismo. Yeah. Machismo. Yeah. So he was just a really cool guy. A man's man. He was like uh-huh. the Doseki's guy. And um, he died when she was like 12, 14, a really emotional age for a parent to pass. Yeah. yeah. And so her and her dad were really close. And her sister was the favorite of her mom. So her dad died and then she just felt alienated by her family. So that in turn shaped her love language in the way that she interacted with my brother and I. Well, it probably always was her love language because I don't think they really change. So for the audience that doesn't know about the love languages, they are very real. There's lots of quizzes you can do online or you can read the book. So It's by Gary Chapman. Yes. So according to Chapman, there's words of affirmation quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. But are those accurate because yes. y'all are saying that I think so. these parenting styles aren't accurate because you think that you have to choose one. Do you have to choose one of these or can it be a culmination? It can be a blend. No, you're a it blend. A, I think it can also be a blend, but they yeah. are very specific. There's not as many ways to show real yeah. love as there are with parenting styles. Like there's two very different dynamics, but tied in perfectly together. Yeah, like naturally, the way that you love is the majority of the way you love. Parenting is more give and take. What do you think is the most common of those five love languages? Is it words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, physical touch, or receiving gifts? I'd say quality time. I would love for it to be that, but it's actually words of affirmation at 23%. What's the second highest one, Rob? The remaining choices are quality time, acts of service, physical touch, or receiving gifts. I would say receiving gifts. It's actually quality time. Hmm. That's kind of the one that I, I was thinking Ameri- is my love language. I was thinking of the American culture. <laughs> yeah. I think this is across the board. Yeah. Maria, this has been a great conversation, and we are going to definitely have you on more often if that's okay with you. Yeah, it would be great. Right now, I want to give you a plug for your show and your outlets and your links. So where can everybody find you? We're on all the podcast platforms at Successfully Chaotic. Facebook, Instagram, again, Successfully Chaotic. You can also go to www.successfullychaotic.com. Thank you so much for having this discussion with us. It couldn't have been more perfect. It was a last minute thing, but I was like, Maria is the most perfect person to talk about this with because you have a successfully chaotic life. And you've got seven children. I was like, this is too perfect. Yeah. And she told me like two hours before this that we were doing this. And I was like, ah, shit. It just came to me. This is going to be boring. Like, let's think of something more entertaining. I told you it wouldn't be boring. And then I was like, you know what? I actually have a lot to say about this. This will just be a nice free-flowing conversation. So then I got excited about it. That's exactly what it is here at the Psychedelic Podcast, your favorite panel of non-experts at it again. It's not just Rob and I. And here's the thing, everybody. Get super excited because next week we are recording with a super, super special. Not that Maria isn't super, super special because she is. But like, (laughs) this is going to blow your minds who our new panel member is. It'll blow your minds. It's the new panel member. Actual like forever panel member. So excited. Next episode. Yeah, next episode, everybody. Maria, thank you so much for your time and being an awesome person. Look out for IndiePods 2021.